0: Hey everyone! On today's episode, Alex and I are talking all about the idea behind: Do you really have a hiring problem, or is it something else? Check it out. Hey everyone! Welcome back. I'm Logan.
1: Hey guys, I'm Alex.
0: And today we're talking all about a poll that uh, Tom Reber put out in his Contractor Fight Group. And so, first off, if you're not part of that group, make sure you're in it. The Contractor Fight—it's on Facebook. A lot of helpful stuff. But what he put out in the poll was this question. And it was, what is your biggest problem heading into the fourth quarter? And there was three different answers or responses you could give. And one is manpower slash production. Second one is marketing slash leads. And the third one is converting leads to sales. So to me, I love this one because to to me, there's like, there's really three main aspects of of business. And the first aspect is marketing slash leads, because without the leads, you don't have sales. And then the second aspect is sales. Because without sales, you can't put anything in the ground, in the house. You, you, You can't actually do the job. And then the actual job is what will bring in the money. So there's other, obviously other aspects to it, but it's marketing, sales, and fulfillment are kind of the three buckets that I look at this all in. So Alex, in your opinion and perspective of all this, is there one that is the most important marketing slash leads, manpower slash production, or converting leads to sales?
1: For me, it's converting leads to sales because I looked at this and I thought the first two, marketing leads and manpower, kind of are a result to or a complaint because you can't convert leads to sales, in my mind. If you get five leads a week and you convert all five, you're saying you can do a job a day, you're you're busy all week. And then then manpower could be a, a problem if you're overbooked or you know how big the job is, whatever, but it's almost like an excuse to why you can't convert leads. You think like, I don't have the people or I'm not getting the leads, I'm not getting good leads.
0: That's yeah, you're spot on with that because it doesn't matter like at the end of the day, like the number of sales, like it, it's funny. Cause it's like, you can only sell what you can put in or what you can actually fulfill. Mm-hmm. So if you reverse engineer that you're like, we can only do a project, let's say just a general, like pick one service, one project per week. We can only install one deck in a week, which means that if we work 45 weeks a year, we can install 45 decks this year, mm-hmm. unless we change up the manpower or whatever it is. Now, if you get a second crew, you can now put in 90 a a year, but now you need twice, whether either you need twice the leads or whatever it is, you need twice the sales. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of reverse engineer this and figure out what your sweet spot is. But what I found was funny about this list was at the time that he put it out, it was like only an hour in, but he had 33 votes when I screenshot it and sent it to you guys, 33 votes for manpower slash production, 15 for marketing slash leads and 14 for converting leads. To sales, is there anything that stands out to you about this, Alex? It kind of seems like
1: it's people not wanting to own their shit. Kind of. It goes back to I think it goes back because the the manpower is the easy answer to say here because it's kind of deflecting blame on not you. It's that you don't have the people in place to do it right now. When converting leads and marketing leads, unless you have a marketing company. You know, with the marketing leads part, again, it, that's on you. So I could see that being split, but it just makes sense that people want to deflect the blame because they're kind of in that, you know, denial stage that you're, you're the, you're part of the problem at least.
0: That's a hundred percent. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm glad you said it. Cause I was like, shit, am I going to have to lead him? But this is like, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking on this and the manpower slash production. And I was not even thinking about the deflection aspect of it, but I'm thinking about something else that comes with it the deflection aspect of it is huge because, well, it's not me. I just need better crews or I just need this. We've talked about hiring before and we had Tommy Mello on here and he was talking about his process and it's like, he's not taking the scum of the earth and paying them, you know, $8 an hour and then frustrated when they don't work out. He's, Mm -hmm. he's creating literally like almost like a a university for like garage door repair. And it's like incredible what he's doing. Mm -hmm. The way that I look at a lot of this and I see people and what they do is the, the manpower slash production is a result of the two steps beforehand. Because what a lot of guys will do is they are not confident in their ability to generate leads and then convert those leads into sales. Because if you were able to generate enough leads and sell everything that you wanted to sell, would you be as worried about paying guys more money to come on and join your company? No, not at all. Because you have the availability to do it. You're able, because mm-hmm. you're making so many sales and you know your stuff, you're able to, instead of bringing a guy on for $11 an hour, you can say, hey, I'm starting you off at 20 bucks an hour. But because the leads that you get are crap, because whether they're from a lead, g- lead gen site or you have a website, super generic, so people just want the lowest price, whatever it is, you get crap leads and whether you're a really good salesman or not it is very hard to convince somebody that your starting price is 40 grand and their max budget is 8 that they need to come up 500% 400% whatever that number is five times the amount of money nobody is that good of a salesman like it would take a lot so your lack of ability to generate leads consistently and convert those consistent leads into consistent sales is why you schedule jobs out 10 months in advance. Mm -hmm. Because what you do is what most people do is they say, well, we're scheduled out all year, which is a great place to be, right? Mentally, it's like you're booked out, you know, you got enough work for the guys for the whole year, but you Mm -hmm. can never actually grow and you can't get out of the field because what if you get yourself out of the field and you hire somebody else to take your spot? What if the leads start to dry up and now you're like, well, shit, now I can't pay myself. So it all really stems from that first thing. And it's, and this is, this is a, a thing I used to do with the websites where when we were, you know, we weren't doing all this advertising, this and that, when I first started, I would book websites out pretty far. I'm like, yep, great. I can get to you in like four months. And I remember thinking to myself like, man, this is incredible. I'm booked out four months. Yeah. And because my product is better than everybody else's, people are willing to wait for it. Mm-hmm. And now I realize, holy shit, this is the wrong thing to do because now I can't do anything. So now we we've, we've really gotten this idea of speed, and I'm okay with hiring, and I'm, o- you know, because we we have like our profit margins are good. So even if we went through a lull, we would still be more than okay on the back end because we're doing the right stuff. But instead of booking ourselves out super far in advance, I'm, like what we used to do. I've now brought on more people so we can get this thing done faster. And as a result of that, I got to now generate more leads. So it's kind of like this revolving door where you got to get more leads in to do more production. But it's the mentality of if you're booked out 10 months in advance, like that's crazy to me that somebody would wait that long, unless it's like something, you know, unless you do something very specific and it's like you're the only person in the town that can do it that well or that whatever. You need to be hiring more people. And if you're doing the right stuff in the business, Hiring right now. This is the best time to hire.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought it yeah. up because that was another thing that I thought of when I saw the poll. Was if you look at all the people that voted for manpower and lack of employees or whatever, I guarantee you, most of them still are in the field most of the time. Yeah, and I've seen. I see that that kind of stunts the growth. And you were just saying, like, as soon as you take yourself out of the field, now you're pushing yourself to sell more, which means you're okay with hiring and you can grow more crews because. You're hopefully converting more leads into sales. And, and if you're still stuck in the field, you still think of yourself as that, you know, foreman, that worker. So you're minimizing what you, not only you could do, but your employees can do. So, you know, I've seen it with my dad's company too. If he still thinks he's a driver, then he has two drivers. Not, I, don't, I only have one driver because I'm not a driver anymore. It kind of doesn't, it stunts growth, but it also kind of leads you to nitpick at hiring. And if it's not perfect, I could just do it, whatever. You know, so that was another thing where I'm like, I think uh, deflection and just maybe self-realization that maybe you're best outside of the field so
0: you can grow the company if that's your goal. But where are most, most business owners comfortable? In the field. In the field. And you are, if you're paying yourself well, you're an overpaid employee. Like what you do, that's the thing that's crazy. I remember with you guys, uh, I was like, yeah, I want to bring on some, you know, new people. And I remember I forget who it was, but someone's I was like, well, what if they can't do a good as job as us? Like, it's like, what we do is pretty specific to us. And I was like, well, we all realize that at one point I did every single one of your jobs mm-hmm. and since then you guys have taken over those specific roles and you do a much better job than I do. Mm-hmm. So if we bring on a second person that does like Alex with you, like media, if I brought on somebody else for media you know, it's not like nobody else in the world can do what you do. It's not like anybody else in the world can do what I do Mm because at one point somebody did do what you do. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it nearly as good as you by any means, but there's always going to be somebody else out there that you can step in and do it. So if you're the owner, again, like right now, you have so many people out of jobs and like the restaurant industry is probably a a good one Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of kids that come out and they rely on the restaurant industry where they're personable. They're on their feet all day long. They're doing the right stuff. All you're doing is now saying, great, instead of carrying food eight straight hours, now you just got to carry some rocks or you got to do this or do that. And this is like the best time to do it. So if you're having production problems now or manpower now, I don't personally, like I don't know everybody's situation, but I, I would venture to say it's like what you're talking about. It's not that they're sitting in the office going, man, I wish I had a couple more people. It's the fact that they're either, A, not really that serious about it, or B, they're putting themselves in the field to try to like be the savior, quote unquote, of the company. And as a result of that, they're saying, well, I'm too busy with this other stuff. I don't have time to hire somebody else. And when you do that, when you look at yourself as a foreman, a foreman primarily does not deal with hiring, firing, marketing, sales, running a company. So you're putting yourself in that role of a foreman. And mentally, you're checking out of all your other owner responsibilities. Yeah. Hey guys, if you're looking to grow your business, make sure you head over to ContractorGrowthNetwork.com. Learn all about everything that we can do. Websites right now are the hot thing. Everybody is at home. Get on it because this is the new way that people are buying today. ContractorGrowthNetwork.com.
1: I don't want to make this into a hiring thing, but do you think there's like a bad stigma around Hiring younger people because I see Premier Ponds and their kind of model is they want younger people so they can teach them. I know Tommy Mello was saying he doesn't really want anybody with garage door experience to come in. Do you think like some businesses are like, well, I don't have time to train the young guy to teach it, who just might have raw, like, you know, I don't know, handyman skills? Do you think there's like a stigma where I want a little bit more experience and those are guys who are a little tougher to find?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's 100% true. So you got two options. Let's say you want somebody experienced because they have like, they can operate like heavy machinery. Okay, which a guy out of high school is not going to know how to do. But on the flip side, somebody with you know a lot of machinery experience, you have one of two options, either A, hire them in and keep them on full time, but you got to make sure they have the right company values. Because if you hate them, but they know how to you know operate specific things, then you're going to say, well, we have to keep them around. You're stuck in this cycle. And it's the same cycle that people get in with shitty clients well you know they suck but at the same time like they're paying so i guess we'll just keep going back to them and you end up hating your life like yes you get the job done but they beat you up along the way and that's what it's like to hire somebody who you don't like but they had the skills where yes they're you know you think like you just think about it all day long and when you leave work yes you're leaving but you're still thinking about like god i wish they would just like shape up or just quit or something like that and you get stuck in this cycle um so with that being said, I would either, if you need somebody who's like super skilled, see if you can just 1099 them, mm-hmm. just make them a, a subcontractor, bring them in for specific jobs. But if you need them on full time, then that's a, a gap in, in or a hole in the business that you either need to A, take someone who's already in the business and teach them that, or B, train somebody, like hire somebody and train them how to do this stuff. And I know that some of it takes a couple of years to do, but if you're really at that point in your business that you need somebody full time either be prepared to pay them or be prepared to wait. Mm -hmm. But you going back in the field full time is like, that is going to stop your growth big time. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: that's, that's very true. It's always that stigma because there's a lot of young people that just come out of college to just need a job at this point. And you know, they're right. They could hire it, but I feel like there's also that thing where it's like, Oh, well, I don't want, guy with zero experience he's you know there's the best thing against generational gaps too i think i say that with my dad all the time if he hires a young kid it's a generational gap but they don't work as hard they don't do this so i'm always interested to see what people think
0: i i think socrates was the first one that said that was like on like wrote it down that was like kids these days just don't know what they have
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that was i don't know socrates was what five thousand years ago yeah every generation <laughs> is like that you look at our parents our parents were like i mean that was like the 50s, or like my, I mean, my dad was born in 57, which means that he was 60s and 70s. They looked at them as just people that just smoked weed all the time and just protested the government all the time. And you know, like that's how they were seen.
2: Yeah.
0: Because the people before them, they were World War II. Mm-hmm. The people before them yeah. were World War I. So it's like, yeah. you can never win. And we're going to look at kids now. We're going to go, oh, look at you young kids on TikTok, like yeah. wasting your life and doing nothing. But it's like, yeah, you could do that. That's really more of an insecurity of you. And that's how I see it, you know? Yeah. Like, you don't know what you want per se, so when you say, oh, they're lazy, it's like, it's fine, but, like, what criteria, because everybody thinks that. Everybody thinks generations are lazy. What criteria have you given them? What is the end goal? If you said you need to, like for your dad, if you need to deliver, I don't know, 10 stops today,
2: mm-hmm.
0: they said, ah, I'm tired, I'd only like you to do seven. Like, okay, well, that's, that, you could talk it up to laziness, but a lot of times, there's no... There's no metric. Mm -hmm. Like if I said, Alex, I want you to edit this video faster. And you said, okay, well, how much faster? And I said, I don't know, but just faster. Does that give you any really direction?
1: No, not at all.
0: No. And typically what that means is if I say it to you and I used to do that with you guys, I don't know if you recognize that, but I used to like be all about like work, work hard, work hard, work hard. It was my own insecurity. I felt that if I didn't work hard and work a ton of hours, that. This company would not grow. And if it didn't grow, I would not be successful. And if I wasn't successful, I wouldn't get over all this shit that I went through mentally from quitting buds. Mm -hmm. So it's this long reverse engineer aspect of it. But me trying to push you guys was actually me dealing with and hiding behind my own demons from like quitting on what I really wanted to do with life.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I I think uh, I saw a quote today um, about it was someone was making fun of it, it was on LinkedIn but it was about being busy. And the guy was like, no one's actually busy. You're just bad at time management. Mm -hmm. And I think that's partially true. And I also think that that's a big excuse in the contracting world with like, you know, I don't want to say struggling contractors, but you know, complaining contractors, I'll say. And I think that, that quote kind of applies. It's, it's, you're busy, but you're busy about the stuff that you're too busy for the stuff you don't want to do which this question is a lot yep. about and it, it this question is deeper it's just like a lot of self-awareness and it's a lot of self-reflection and it's easy for a lot of these like more than half that poll, to put um you know it's manpower it's other people's fault but until you sit down and watch it it's like is it i don't really know it, it might be the other two
0: yeah it, it, you're absolutely right it's it's they they use that as an excuse yeah like you know i'm in one man operation this and that, like. I'm just so busy. I don't have time to do the Facebook stuff. Like, bro, you are a one-man operation. What else do you have to do? Like, you're new in yeah. business. All you do is have time for marketing. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how you're too busy for everything. If this is your only job, is to get yourself business.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But most people don't look at it that way. It's and it's not. I'm I'm too busy or I'm too this. They don't value it. They don't actually see this as an issue. They they say they want more people. And they say, but you know, all this stuff, but their actions do not align with what is coming out of their mouth, which means that they don't actually think it's a problem. Mm -hmm. I I talked to my dad about this today, and this is actually what the five podcast is all about, but it was this idea that your circumstances trigger your thoughts, your thoughts cause your feelings, your feelings cause your actions, and your actions cause results. So -hmm. if the circumstances You don't have enough manpower to fulfill whatever it is fast enough. You got to think one of two things. Thought number one is, well, you know, nobody else can do it as good as me. So I might as well get back in. Or thought number two is, I got to go out. You know, I think I got to go out and hire somebody. I know I got to go out and hire somebody to make this happen. And those create two different outcomes because if you do it yourself, you jump back in. And because you you know that your feeling of pride and that's your security blanket, you know, that's your feeling. Then the next thing after feelings is your action, and your action is to jump back into the field. And as a result, you don't hire anybody else new. But if your first thought is, "Oh shit, I got to go out and hire somebody," now that's a totally different ball game. Your feeling may be one where your back's a little bit against the wall, but you're at least going to go out and get somebody who can do get the job done, and that. The action with that is you will actually hire somebody. And the result is somebody else fills that hole. And now you're still able to do whatever it is that you set out to do. So it's really how much of a problem is this shit for you? Because if you sit here and complain about production, I had this, I remember uh, I worked at Indeed or when I used to work at Indeed, I had one lady who would call me up. She was like one of our, I I was like her rep and she would just go, Indeed sucks. This is not worth it. This and that. I just can't get anybody good. They all suck. And I was like, okay, let's just talk about your job real fast. This was in, she worked in, um, she had an ice cream business in San Francisco. Now, Alex, you've never been to San Francisco, right? No. Okay. You've been in New York city. Mm-hmm. How much money do you need to make in New York city to live? Oh boy. <laughs> you got, if you're, ah, man, to live comfortably, let's just say okay. Like you're not going to go out and like you know belong to a country club, but you know to like live how you live right now, but in New York City,
1: uh, like in the 60s to low 70s, probably
0: minimum. minimum, yeah, minimum, minimum. San Francisco is the same, if not a little bit higher, probably mm-hmm. you know 80 85. So she's like, all the people that you bring me suck. I said, okay, great. Let's talk about your actual job. Hmm. It is an outdoor door-to-door ice cream sales rep, which first off, that's fucking weird. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, if somebody came and knocked on my door and said, Hey, little boy, I got some ice cream. like, I'm out. Not
1: 2028. No,
0: yeah. I'm out. like, okay. Like, I, I'm like, what are they selling? And she's like, well, you get to like you go and do this. You go and do this, go and do this. And I said, okay, what are you paying them? She said, I'm paying them 10% commission. I said, okay, is there a base salary? She said, no, there's not. I said, all right, 10% commission. Realistically, in your best year ever, and you're the one that owns the company, all this stuff, what is the most you've ever sold? She said, the most I've ever done was like, like $200,000. I said, okay, is it realistic that that person can come in the first year and sell $200,000? She said, ah, it'd be tough. They would need to be pretty qualified to do that. I said, okay. So you're saying that somebody in a sales position needs to come in. And if they're pretty qualified, they can make up to $20,000 in a year. She said, oh, yeah, I guess so. I said, can, can you live on $20,000 a year in San Francisco? Well, the leads you bring me aren't good, though. And I'm like, lady, that's because what you're offering is terrible. Mm-hmm. Why would somebody want to come? Get rejected over and over, like this. Salespeople do it for the money or the competition or both, which is actually what it should be. So, if you want a sales rep that is comfortable with making twenty thousand dollars a year in one of the most expensive cities in the United States, what kind of quality person do you think that's going to be?
1: You're getting shit.
0: It's total shit. So yeah. that's the idea behind all this: is that you know the the manpower slash production one that is really you're hiding behind a curtain because you are insecure. About your sales and marketing as a whole, but you're blaming it on I can't find enough people, but you're the one that is pushing your stuff out so you can quote unquote keep the guys busy all year long. Mm-hmm. But if you had the pick of the litter where I said, Alex, you can make a healthy living, like charge good margins, and you get to do as many jobs as you want, whether that's one a week, 10 a week, I don't care. I would assume most everybody would say, okay, I'd like to do more work so I can make more money and I could pay more, but because they don't have their sales or marketing set up up front correctly, their production suffers and they're unable to pay their crews what they should pay. They're unable to take on more work because people are leaving because they're 10 months booked out. And that is a cycle that you will get stuck in as a whole.
1: Yeah. That's the insecurity thing is something I didn't think about. I like that angle. It, and also it's, I think it's two different sides of the brain of the production manpower, and that kind of directly correlates, like we've been saying, of the hard work, manual labor type thing, and then the marketing and sales leads. That's like a different part of your brain. I don't, I don't know if it actually is, but I consider it because it's it's digital now. It's it's you're not working with your hands; you're working with your mind and your voice and talking, selling, selling. It's it's two totally different aspects. I think people are insecure about that, and that's why they would pick manpower because. Like you said, you're deflecting your insecurities away.
0: So it's I like easy. That it's, it's easy to do it that way. And I remember, like, people used to ask Audrey, uh, and they'd say, "Well, like, you know how how far out like does Logan get booked?" And I'm just, and she like asked me, she's like, "Yeah, like people want to know, like, how far out are you booked, like?" Because in like I think like the artist world, the further out your book means the more demand there is. Yeah. But what if it took us four months to build a website for ninety eight hundred bucks?
2: yeah
0: oh wow he's booked out four months that's amazing oh yeah well on the flip side it's for $9,800 yeah like it's that's like the criteria that a lot of people and like I think the painting industry does this big time too is they what they do is they talk about how many man hours they sell because that's mm-hmm. how you do it in the painting world here's how many man hours I don't think they talk about what they're charging per man hour I think no. it's just straight up, this is how many man hours I sold which is effectively the same thing as saying this is my top line revenue i made a million dollars
1: like the oil companies it, it's it's how many trucks you got out because if they think you got 10 trucks out you're making you know 10 grand off the truck each day but a lot of a lot of oil companies don't charge they they run out to stops and make 20 bucks on a stop that doesn't even pay for the gas to get out there so it, it's the same thing everyone's every company's got their angle like that
0: and it's an ego thing because mm-hmm. it's much easier to say well like cuz like top line is great top line revenue is awesome but you can't pay your mortgage with your top line revenue. Mm-hmm. You can't pay your mortgage by being 10 months booked out if you're not really making any money. And if you're, you're, it's this cycle that you're just, it's like the loneliness cycle where it's like, because you're lonely, you don't want to reach out to somebody because what if they shut you down? You become lonelier. And mm-hmm. because you don't reach out to them, you naturally become lonelier. And you go, well, shit, I should reach out to them. And it just, it's this self-fulfilling prophecy where it just goes around and around and around. And the same thing with this is you're booked out 10 months. So you can't take on new work because you can't take on new work. You can't pay your guys anymore or raise your prices because you can't do that. You have to go work in the field because you have to go work in the field. You can't do all the sales and marketing, which would bring in better leads, better sales to then pay your guys more.
1: Yeah. So, the bottom line. Manpower is not the problem.
0: <laughs> it's not the problem at all because if, yeah. if you could pay your guys what you think they deserved and you could pay yourself what you think you deserve, you would never have a manpower production ever.
1: Yeah, it's, it's true. 100%. It's also like if you have lazy employees, then you have lazy employees, but then don't pay them what you want to pay your great employees because when that great guy comes back, you're not going to have that that money to give that guy who deserves that and you may risk losing it. So, you know, cut ties with the people that you think, if you have trouble with manpower then cut ties to all those people and read and re, rehire the way you think you should have more manpower. But,
0: but it's easy not to, because it, yeah. it's, it's your comfort zone. It's your, you wake up in the morning when your alarm goes off once a week, I'm excited to get out of bed and go to the gym. The other four days a week, I'm like, fuck, maybe I should sleep in today. I, th- I think my body would really enjoy an extra hour of sleep versus going to the gym, so it's not like you get used to it and you start to like you know okay, let's oh, okay, five forty let's grind. It always is kind of like that, but it's a comfort zone thing that's mm-hmm. what your body kind of tells you like naturally like, hey, you're warm, this blanket is warm, it's still dark out, don't get up. that's the same thing with with you know hey, you've already got guys that work for you. And I know they suck, but at least you know what you're going to get. You're not really spending that much money on them because it's only eleven dollars an hour. So you might as well keep them. And yeah, they may or may not show up for the, on a you know on day two because they're too hungover or they're too this or whatever. But at least, at least you got them, and that's the mentality. Mm-hmm. And you can't break out of that. And it's it's like when you go, oh, I can't attract high end clients. Okay, well you have a shitty reviews online your website looks like it was built in 96 and all the pictures look like they were also taken in 96. So yeah. how can you expect to attract somebody that you want in your ideal client? You, you're trying to go for mansions, but all your pictures are on your website or on your Facebook are of trailers. Mm-hmm. Like you dress yeah. for the job that you want, not for the job that you have, but because you're stuck in that cycle, you're stuck dealing with the trailer people. Because you, you have that's what you surround yourself with is the trailer stuff and it's this cycle. So until you break it, you're stuck. And it all starts with marketing first, not a, a shit ton of leads, but it's really more so marketing first, you get the leads that actually want to work with you that are your ideal client. Then you sell them. And when they're really close to, you know, they like what you're saying, it's much easier to sell them at that point. Then once you sell them, now you can, you know, as you have this thing consistent and you get this, it's scalable where you're like, okay, great. This month we get 10 leads. Let's see if we can get 20 next month. Once that becomes a thing and it's consistent, then that's when you can start to really grow and bring more people on. But at the same time, if you're sitting here going, well, I can't believe we had a great month, but I want to get back out in the field next month. You're never going to be able to do the stuff that you need to because you're always staying in your comfort zone. If you're always in your comfort zone, you won't get anywhere new. Mm-hmm could have said any better. I I think it's, uh, this
1: question is deeper than just what do you have the most problem with? And I think a lot of contractors, a lot of people in that poll fell for the trap. That's was the manpower, but really you just told us everything you needed to know about what your real problem is.
0: So it's not a manpower issue. It's not a, I mean, it might be a bit of a leadership issue, but it's a sales and marketing issue. If you have more money in the door, you can do whatever the hell you want with it, including hiring people that already know. There's a, there's enough struggling contractors out there that you go, hey, look, what are you making? You oh, if you make forty grand a year, great. I'll pay you eighty. You come work for me. You run my cruise.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there you go. Because there's a, like there's enough people during all this that they're just like, well, I can't do anything. I'm out. So, any final words on this, Alex?
1: You know, companies have CEOs for a reason, and they might not know how to build build the race cars if they're if that's what you do. They don't know how to build the ponds on a smaller scale, but they know how to hire people and know how to lead people into doing that. So it's a smaller scale than you're working at Mercedes or you know all these car companies, but you know that's why they're structured that way is because people have different strengths, and you need to recognize when you're hiring and what your strengths are, what other people's strengths are and build a team around that. So you can focus on what's really important. That's the marketing and that's the selling and that's generating the leads.
0: It, as a customer of Walsh Fargo, if the CEO's Wells Fargo said, Audrey scoot over, let me start, let me help you out with the 6 spreadsheet. How do you think I'm feeling?
1: <laughs> as Audrey, I'm feeling shitty.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like what is going on? Me as a customer, I'm like, why is the CEO doing all this stuff? Like this should be a business. And I know there's an Mm -hmm. aspect of like we're family run and we're this and that. And like, that's fine. But if you are in the field, then if there's ever a fire somewhere else, a customer is not happy, whatever that is, you can't attend to it. So you're actually doing your customers a disservice by being in the field and you don't even know it. Mm -hmm. So. With all that being said, you may not have a production problem. You may not even have a sales problem. You may just have a really shitty leads problem. If you want to learn more, ContractorGrowthNetwork.com. We got this awesome 3P method. Every single person I've been having calls with, um, they, they love it. And I know I'm sounding like somebody like, it's the greatest, it's tremendous but it, it really is. It, it's, it's this awesome new system we come up with and straight up. It just, it works. It's awesome. So contractorgrowthnetwork.com dot If you want to chat, let's chat. If nothing else, let's start the conversation. Cause at least starting the conversation will change how you do everything in business. Thanks guys. Later.